Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcast Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. I think everyone is so excited to just create again. I think everyone had big plans for 2020. It was a big year, not just for us, but for most people in the industry. And I think that we didn't get to do that. We didn't get to showcase everything we wanted to. I know a lot of people had some great restaurants that they wanted to open and brands, and, and as did we. And I'm sure everyone's itching to do it. So you can expect a barrage of, of, of great new dining experiences once it's finally safe to do so. You know, once the country is on the right track to recovery, vaccinated, and I mean, the Filipino diner can really look forward to that. And good evening. Thank you so much to everybody for joining me this lovely Tuesday evening for the RJ Ledesma podcast. In my podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business and what are their success secrets, how they how we can also hack their own success secrets as well. We also find out how they've innovated their businesses during the pandemic and learn about what opportunities do they see emerging during the new normal or what some people are even calling the next normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the RJ Ladespa podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. I would love to have them here on the show. And just to let all of you know, we are also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas. My next guest, uh, you know what? I've known her for many, many years, but it was during this pandemic, as they say, friendships are usually forged in fire. And I got to know her a lot better during this pandemic, during many late night conversations uh, with the people who comprise the officers of the restaurant owners of the Philippines group or the Resto PH group. Uh, my next guest, Abba Napa. And I, I'm great. It's so great to have Abba here on the show, especially right after we celebrated International Women's Day. Now, Abba Napa is the co-founder and creative director of The Moment Group. Uh, for those of you who don't know what The Moment Group is, the group of restaurants they have over there are, are heavyweight restaurants. I'm sure you know uh, Manam. Uma, Eight Cuts, uh, Din Tai Fung, Shawa Mama, uh, the Mess Hall, and many, many others are under uh, their wing, which they created themselves, except for Din Tai Fung. All these other concepts were all homegrown concepts by the Moment Group. And the, the Moment Group is a younger and very dynamic food and beverage operator and developer. They created and opened their first three homegrown restaurants within eight months of its launch, and since then, they have persisted on commencing opening a new restaurant at least almost every 
two months. And I want to find out from ABBA if they were able to keep up the momentum, especially during this pandemic. Now, the Moment Group was established uh, back in 2012, and it's currently home to 2,500 employees, 12 food brands, and 45 stores. Some of its most recent launches was its Cook at Home line, Moment the Grocer, uh, the new fried chicken brand Cuckoo, and uh, Pancit Pancitan, and its in-house delivery website, momentfood.com, which is supported by their go delivery fleet. Now, ABBA earned her degree in management from the Ateneo and later took up restaurant management and culinary techniques at the French Culinary Institute in New York. She began her initial business endeavors in retail, wherein one of her most prominent ventures was in the tropical retail company through which Flip Flop, the brand Havaianas, made its way into the Philippine malls. Now, let's find out a bit more about the Moment Group and how they dealt with the impact of the pandemic during their business. So please welcome right now, Miss Abba Napa. Hi, RJ. Good evening. It's nice to see you. Thanks for I, having um, me tonight. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm really so glad. You know what? Um, and I agree because there are many people right now listening to us right now, especially uh, Corinne uh, Castaneda and the other members of the rest oh, of the <laughs> And they're really, really impressed. You know, we're, we're, we're all very uh, impressed by your ability uh, to communicate and to negotiate with other people. You are a go-to person when it comes to negotiating and being very diplomatic about talking about things. But what I, I understand is coming on, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> but Abba, I, I understand this one. When you aren't in the restaurant, when you aren't talking about restaurants which you love, you're actually like going out of town or out of the country. So right now, where are you? Tell the people where you are right now, Abba. No, I, I found 24 hours of free time in my, my week. So I'm... I'm um, I'm in Anilao because I love to dive. Um, actually, many people in F and B um, like to dive, um, and I'm with a bunch of them. Um, I think it's just very therapeutic for us to be under the water where no one can talk. To you. <laughs> where you can't get, where you can't hear Viber or WhatsApp or FB <laughs> yeah. Messenger. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I found 24 hours in the week, so I'm here right now, but still very very happy to spend the evening with you, RJ. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Abba. And uh, just to let you all know that uh, both Abba and I, uh, we sit uh, with. I sit on the board of the restaurant owners of the Philippines. I'm one of the board of advisors and one of the founders, while meanwhile Abba is the vice president for external. And, you know, whether she liked it or not, she was really the most ideal person for the trolls. So we're very happy that you're there. And thanks for uh, serving the entire restaurant industry in your current role, Abba. We're very, very appreciative. Likewise. Um, now, Abba, you know, I, it says over here you've got over 12 food brands. Of the, can, you, can you mention all the brands right now for the people listening to you here? On the podcast, <laughs> the pressure. Um, well, I mean, we have our Filipino brand, Manam, and then we have our burger brand, Eight Cuts. We have a, a casual Japanese brand called Uma. Um, we have a, a, a Japanese chef's table, um, headed by Chef Bruce Ricketts called Mecha Uma. Uh, we have um, a cookie brand because we all love cookies at, at, at the Moplex, um, called Mo Cookies. Um, and then our only, um, our only franchise brand actually is, is Din Tai Fong, which is the Shaolongbao brand from Taiwan. We have a, a shawarma brand called Shawawama. We have a bar, um, which unfortunately is um, is still yet to be opened, called Bank Bar. I mean, reopened. We have our office cafeteria brand called the Mess Hall, which is on the ground floor of our of our headquarters um, in Makati. And um, and we actually have um, a new brand coming up, um, a Southeast Asian brand called Hoochie. Wow, Hoochie! I think I right? got it all. I think I got it all. Yeah, Hoochie. <laughs> well, fantastic. And yeah, I, yeah. I also understand that you have a two. Brands which grew out of the pandemic. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. We have um, a spin-off from 
I'm really inspired by Manam, um, a Pansiteria brand, you know, um, that serves Pansit by the Bilao in, in classic traditional flavors and in twisted flavors, which is what Manam is known for. That's called Papa Pansitan. And then we have a spin-off brand from our American burger brand called Cuckoo, which is really focused on chicken, uh, different parts of the chicken, not just wings, but the thigh. We even have Puep. We have Esau, fried Esau. So um, those are the two brands that were born out of um, out of the pandemic, born in 2020. Oh, fantastic. So let's talk a bit more about the pandemic because, you know, um, one of the hardest hit during this time, Abba, was really the restaurant industry. And there's nobody who was an exception. Me, I ran Mercato. We were impacted because we had to close down because it was a place yeah. of mass gathering. Um, yes, if you don't yes. mind, I, I mean, there are many people from the restaurant industry listening right now. I'm pretty much amazed at what you guys are doing because on top of just having to adjust during this time, you opened up or you, you created newer brands uh, during this time as well. Yeah. So that's a bit more. What, what, is, what was your journey of the moment group during this pandemic? What did you guys have to do to adjust and then survive and thrive? Oh, wow, that's a, that, that's a lot of questions in one big yeah. question. Well, maybe I'll start with um, the fact that, um, well, I, I, you know, we personally believe in F&B that all industries were really hit hard. Um, very few were spared um, last year, no? Um, but I think F&B was... What was it was unique because um what we do really in F and and for restaurants per se and not and not delivery brands is we, we get people to converge um, mm-hmm. around the table. And creating restaurants is not just about creating food, it's really about creating an experience and, a, and an atmosphere by which people can come together and um and converge. So I think that was really was very challenging for us um to do what we knew best um because that wasn't allowed during the, the many lockdown phases of 2020. But um, moment is, um, I wouldn't say unique, but I mean, uh, we are not merely an F&B operator. We're also a developer. And, and a, big, a big part of the makeup of the Moment Room team is, is a base that deals with developing brands and concepts and dishes and products. And we're in, we're in 24-7 development. I mean, we don't stop developing. Even if we don't have a new brand or a new menu to launch, we're tinkering in the kitchen, trying to make, I don't know, the best fried chicken butt that we can, even though we have nowhere mm-hmm. to put it. So I think it came kind of naturally for us in 2020. It was something that was intuitive for us that we wanted to create. Um, so we took a look at what all of our patrons and just in general, the, the diner, the Filipino diner was was looking for or needing at the time. And it was very different from what they were needing prior to, to COVID. And, and, and based on what we thought they were looking for and what, they, what we thought that they needed we started to create brands and products that was apt for that need or that desire. And then that's how Papa Pansitan and, and Kuku were born, actually, um, and towards the end of 2020. Yeah. Well, what I find interesting, Abba, is, is that it's how you look at the business. When, when many people were looking at the crisis, they were saying, like, for example, what is the brand essence of what you really do, right? Because, like, for example, people would yes, say, yes, for, yes, for yes, my yes. business, Mercato, uh, people say it's a food market. No, I say it's not a food market. It's a small food business incubator. Because when you understand the business essence of what you do, you're able to pivot yes. the business around that one. Yes. And, and when I listen to you right now, you're, you're, not a rest, you're not a restaurant group. You are a food developer concept. That's really what you are at, at the base of things, really. Because other people, they think of themselves yes. as a restaurant. And you don't think of yourself as, as a restaurant. No. Is, is that right? I think, it, I think it just comes from also our background. And we're three partners and two of us are from retail. So we, we do have a retail mindset when we think. So we also think about brands, right? At the base, we are, you can't just be a creator of brands. I mean, otherwise, then you, you get something in your brain, you put it on paper, and then voila, right? At 70% of it is execution and operation. So at the heart of things, we are an operator. 
how you deliver that meal to that person day in and day out has to be at the level, close to the level of how you imagined it to be, right? So I think I think it's safe. I think we're 50-50 a developer and 50-50 an operator. And I think that's really, really important, right? You need to know how to operate well. I mean, not that we do that great, but I mean, we try very hard, no? Uh, there's a comment coming in here from the chat box, and I just want to share it with you right now, Abba. It's nice from Jester Leander. He's so excited for this episode. I used to work for the Moment Group as a line cook back in the day. Oh it's my one of the God. highlights of my career. Hello, oh, that means so much. Hi, Jester. It's nice to see that people are, you know, I, I love that so people nice. are responding very, very nicely to, to what you guys have done. Now, the other thing that I wanted to... That to means kind of, a lot. That means a lot. Uh, and I, I appreciate that people like Jester are listening to us here right now. Yeah, and what I want to unpack a bit more Ab, about what you were saying was the idea that, you know, you also... When you look at the company, um, you're looking really at the pain points that you could have addressed uh, over there. And that, that's what I kind of like about what I, I was hoping that you could share a bit more because you were looking at two ways. Right? It was like, what are the operational pain points that you could turn into an opportunity? What are the food and beverage pain points that you could turn into an opportunity? So tell us a bit more about that because I know you developed a light for, for convenience stores. You developed catering groups. Yeah. Then you developed them operationally. What did you guys do? Uh, yeah. share, with, share with us a bit more, especially for the smaller restaurants who are trying to, you know, to, to, to struggle it out at, at this point. Well, I think all of us are struggling it out, to be honest. Um, when you say pain points, are you talking about uh, the pain points within the pandemic? I, I guess the so pain points within the pandemic, yeah. which you said, okay, because like yeah. we often say to people, yeah. like the pain points can turn into your business opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the real pain point is that, again, Again, F&B, I think, was the only industry that had to change its formatting and operations with each phase of the lockdown, right? Because at every phase of the lockdown, either we were allowed to, to do dine-in or we were not, or we were allowed to dine-in but only at X percent capacity. And we move into another phase, it becomes 50% capacity. So we were so um, at the mercy of the phases of the lockdown. No? And, and, and again, it, it's very hard because F&B is all about eating in front of each other and converging, right? And that was simply something that you couldn't do because it was like, it wasn't good for the kind of health crisis we were in, which is a pandemic. Um, so I think that was a real pain point. How do we now um, serve our diner when really we have our biggest, the biggest piece of our puzzle missing, which is our dining rooms? No, but I think to your point about understanding, you know, what the essence of your, what you do is all about. You mentioned that, and what the essence is of your business. I think the essence of our business, really, and really F and B in general, is about making people happy. And we say that all the time. In moment, I mean, and in fact, there was an there, there's a chef in Paris who I think says it best. I'll quote him. His name's Daniel Rose. Um, and he said, we create the material support for somebody's wonderful time. You know what I mean? And it's hard to do that when you don't have the dining room aspect and you only have the food aspect. So we yeah. had to learn how to nourish people, both physically and, and, and psychologically, with only one aspect of what we do, which is the food itself. Um, because And we had to take it to their homes. So... I think that was a pain point that we had to learn how to unravel and unpack. And we also had to realize that we could still deliver experience by instead of people walking into our doors, um, in 2020, for the most part, we walked into theirs. And we created products that made sense in that setting, whether that was on a bed tray while watching Netflix or on your lap while you're in a car or maybe in your cubicle if you had to go to work. And, and that kind of food and experience is completely different from food that you're eating in a dining table of eight while drinking wine across people that, that you want to have a conversation with. So there was a lot of thinking about the diner experience um, and what the food needed to be to make sense in that new experience. 
Hi babe, Jay Miranda here, your virtual boyfriend. I have a podcast with my friends Adikos and Christopher Starr called Under the Influence. Hey, what's up? This is Adikos. Come on and listen to us na kasi. Christopher Starr here. Let's talk about the business of social media. Paano lapitan ng mga brands at ano-ano ang mga bagong social apps na dapat mong abangan. And if you want to know all about social media, how to start and how to succeed, better listen to this. We are also giving you the business perspective, not just on the creator's view, but the corporate side as well. Yeah, babe. Tara na. If you want to learn, head over to Under the Influence. So you sort of like you had to interpret that happy experience when the food arrived in their place, or even the experience of it being yeah. delivered and being brought to your place, right? What did you do a bit no, different? Was it the packaging? Was it the uh, a change in the SKU in the venue in the in the pricing? What was it? I mean, it's very, I mean, I find it very interesting. It's hard to really pinpoint one thing, but I think for one, what you crave at home is very different from what you crave when you're going to have a social meal and go out into the world. You know, it's very different things, right? I think also um, we watched what people were feeling and thinking about. And um, we saw that like in the beginning of the lockdown, and I don't think this holds true for everyone, but we found that people were, you know, they were just a little bit, I guess, restless in their homes and they didn't know how long it was going to last, the lockdowns and the, and the pandemic. So they wanted things that excited them. Um, and so there was an influx of, of home kitchens that came about um, mm-hmm. that invented amazing, I mean, amazing new products that was, you know, really interesting for us to watch, like Ubechis Pandesal and all of that, right? But towards the end of the year, when people realized, oh my God, this crisis is going to last a very long time, people started to move back into things that were comforting to them and things that were familiar to them, things that were more familiar than just exciting. And I think that's when we decided to come in because that's basically the crux of the kind of things we do. We, we, we try to create things that are exciting, but for the most part are familiar and nostalgic because those things never leave you, those cravings. They keep coming back. And it was towards the end of the year that we created the Pansit brand, um, which allowed you to converge in your home with your household that you shelter in place with. And then we created um, the chicken brand because, I mean, as you know, I mean, it's a chicken country and we never would have created a chicken brand if it wasn't for the pandemic. But because we were able to, to do something that was delivery only, it allowed us like to push out our chicken products, which was really, really very fun for me because chicken is my favorite protein. <laughs> Having said that, no, it's sort of like the Manam brand. It's sort of like your flagship brand. It's hard to get, I mean, during the pre-pandemic, it'd be hard, you have to reserve to go to Manam here right now. And it sort of encapsulates what, what, you, what you guys yeah. are really all about because it's something that's familiar and exciting. That's what you talk about, right? And that's basically the Manam yeah. menu, right? It's, the, it's what you're familiar yeah. with that's and then a twist. And a twist on the familiar. Am I right to say that? You well, can't that's why really I have the- at home. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's having a little bit of poetic license with Filipino food, but by duly respecting it all the way through. We try to do that with all of the cuisines that we make brands for. Yes. We try. And, 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 that's, and that's very interesting because uh, that's exactly the same sort of formula which you used moving forward during the pandemic. Okay. People need something that is yeah. familiar. But they also need something that they can yeah. get a bit excited about. So that's your little twist. Yeah, I mean, if you but you guys did, if you can cook it at home, then and then I think you should because I mean, so it's nice to have a home cooked meal by someone you love, right? So if you can do it yourself, then then I mean, we will stay away from that and we'll give you something that might be a little bit harder for you to prepare yeah. and make your life a little less stressful when you're craving that. I think that's yeah. really the philosophy we have in general. And, and uh, having said that, but during the height of the crisis, there were so many people developing concepts, like you said, furiously creating yeah. the, 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 the new dishes. dishes. And we yeah. saw that one. We, we yeah. saw that happening. Yeah. 
at the time that we were discussing on board, all these small home cooks, they could be actually competition. But then what yes. what makes that eventually people with that sort of restaurant and retail background sustain across that? Is it like I would say, is it the secret sauce or the unfair advantage is because you can create a dish that you can easily create at home? I mean, that's usually what they ask. There. I mean, if I could do it at home, then I'll do it at home, right? But you have something yes. extra that, that you bring in aside from the skill set and from the experience. What is that for for moment and for the restaurant in, and restaurants in general if they want to stay ahead of the game? You know, I think F&B, this may sound really, really, really corny. I mean, you know, you can be extremely talented in, in F&B, but you have to be consistent. You know, it's it's really an industry where um, the devil is in the details and you need to sweat the small stuff. And that sucks, to be honest, because I mean, I know from the outside, it looks super pretty and it's really fun and you do tastings and when you bring your fans in and then when the wine suppliers come in, you can all taste the wine and try it together. But really, 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 it's, it's not glamorous at all. And I think you know that and everyone knows that it's, it's, it's an industry that consumes you and takes up your whole life. So you really have to be passionate about it and you have to do it day in and day out at the same level as you did it yesterday and at the same level that you gave it to the person that was sitting in that table before the new person came in. And I think that requires a level of dedication and passion that um, has to be intrinsic in you, I think. And so when you finally realize how hard and challenging it is, and sometimes at the end of the day, the only profit you really have is someone smiling because maybe you're not making money. <laughs> that's when you really realize whether you're meant to be in this industry or not, right? So I think it's consistency. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know what you mean. That's, why <laughs> my, that's, that's, that's what my wife likes to harp about me just because, you know, we're very different. I'm, I'm more of a... I, the idea machine, but she's more of the execution machine. So it's difficult. You can have yeah. a really good idea, but if it's yeah. not executed properly, yeah. Uh, but it's all for nothing. And, right? exe- and executed properly every day. Every day. Every turn of the table, every day oh. part, right? You know. I always exactly. like an F in, uh, restaurants to a play yeah. instead of a movie. You know, in a movie, you take 12 takes. You take the one take, it wins an Oscar. You watch the movie 10 years from now, it's still worthy of the Oscar. A restaurant, the food may be great today, like a play, but Ten days later, if the actor got sick, has a hoarse voice, or fought with his girlfriend, is in a bad mood, then him acting on that ten days from now won't be as good as that day when he won the Tony, right? So, yeah. I, I love I love <laughs> that analogy, Abba. And, and having yeah. said that, no, let me go to the other one. I like this other comment coming up here right now from Jared Vincent Real Famor. I'm lucky to work with the Moment Group as a current supplier, one of the rest of groups that quickly adapted to the new normal oh, with wow. their e-commerce website. Wow, very easy to work wow. with. Impact leadership at its finest. Wow, wow, wow so great. I will send that to the, yeah, I'll send that to the team also. Thank you, Jared. That was oh, yeah. very kind, Medium, Grace. Thank you. A couple of nice tears coming out from Abba here right now. Oh, no, it's just the light. It's just the light here. <laughs> no, but, but Abba, this is nice because aside from them liking what you did, you quickly adapted. And having said that, no. People looking at your e-commerce website, what makes your site a bit different? I mean, how quickly were you able to establish it? Because you were more for, you were, I mean, at the time, I, I'm guessing that majority of your business was really dine-in, not delivery Definitely. or take right? It wasn't, I right? Think like every, yeah, I think like every, every restaurant in the Philippines, even fast food, a majority of our business was derived from dine-in pre-pandemic. So it was a massive shift. And we had to like, the learning curve was so high. Yeah. Okay. And having said that, yeah, how did it? How did you quickly develop the e-commerce side? That's that I'm really interested in. So, um, at the moment, we're 100% in-house for everything we create. 
and everybody really works like entrepreneurs. I think that's really an amazing thing about Moment and the people in it. Actually, that website was made in-house by our director of IT, Joel. And we would stay up at night and like while everyone was sleeping at 1 a.m., we would be walking through the user experience flows. And, you know, that original website, which is about to change actually into a version 2 and into an app also, also made by our director of IT, was made using a Shopify front. I mean, we really just did it on our own. And the reason we did it was we felt that um, at the time, also the delivery aggregators, uh, you know, were not ready. No one was ready to expect mm-hmm. the surge of volume from mm-hmm. delivery. So we thought that we just needed to like declog the pipes and provide our own last mile. And because we had we have over 2,000 employees and no one could work at the time, not everyone, mm-hmm. very little because there was no dine-in. So we were trying to give them new ways to get some extra livelihood. And so actually, if you, if you order from us now, um, some of the people that will be delivering to you will either be one of our chefs from Manam or maybe our waiter who are doing extra things on the side. So, I mean, it's really quite it's really quite great. So, it's hospitality until your doorstep, we like to say. Yeah. So, you're helping, us, you're helping the team. But that's great because I like, because if you use the same people from from moment, they have that same hospitality mentality. Because, I mean, yeah. if, if you use the delivery, not, not to say that delivery aggregators can't do it well, but these guys are coming to you saying, I represent the Moment Group yeah. when I go to you and deliver. Yeah, or they deliver something from their teammate or from their brand, which they have a lot of pride for, and or, or something that they, they're they a chef and they're delivering something that they know how to cook themselves that they probably cook so they can look at it. I remember people say, hey, you know, when we get delivery from Mobo, when it comes in, you open the packaging, it still looks like a picture, mm-hmm. right? Because the guys drive slow and, they, and, you know, there's just a little bit of, I guess there's just a little bit of extra care because it's your own. Right, and just that extra thing, and so that's really quite nice. So, so these late nights you were spending to develop this e-commerce site. This was at the height of the pandemic, right? So you were you were in the office. Yeah, like, no, no, we were work from home, and I think I Moment from home. in general is still Moment is still in general work from home. The the, mm. the the foundation team, the headquarter team. So we really only go to the headquarters when we need to meet face to face. So that's really largely just the R and D team with me. Because oh, you, can't, okay. you, know, you can't eat food through Zoom, right? <laughs> Gotta work on that. That's the next experience. The rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but so, um, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, is, it was work from home. Um, and, 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 and you know what we found, actually? It's funny because I was just talking to the team about it the other day, the brand team. And they were saying, for some reason, they found that they could be as effective. You know, which I found really interesting. Like, I guess you just get a lot more done, you know, because there's less travel. And if I guess if you really care and you're passionate, you can really get a lot more done um, with this kind of a setup on Zoom, right? Especially when everything you're doing is very conceptual. Yeah, you can talk from Anila, right? And we can still have a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. I'll another comment from uh, Terrence MP. It has been a blessing to work with the Moment Group, Inc., especially... Uh, with Abba. Well, Abba, and dami mga unsolicited. I know Terrence oh, well. This is great. So, <laughs> thanks so much, Terrence. For, for, yeah. <laughs> I, I know Terrence. That. Hi, Terrence. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Rina Lu says, uh, great podcast so far. Thanks so much, Rina Lu. Pinsan ka sabo ko kay mabait siya. But then, she's enjoying the podcast. Thank here you. So, so much from DMCI. Awesome. And, and this is this is very nice. Also, from our colleague in the restaurant owners oh, of the Philippines restaurant, from Corinne Castaneda. <laughs> No matter how long you've been in the FMB industry, there is so much to learn from ABBA, which is true. I actually learned so much from ABBA. Um, her energy, her concept right of well-crafted idea and generosity is infectious. 
By the way, Corinne is House of, uh, House of Wagyu. Nako, again, thanks so much for all of you who are joining me here right now, uh, speaking with ABBA. Uh, and, and just to let you know a bit more, no, um, if you need to know, we're talking with ABBA, who is the co-founder and creative head, the Moment Group, which has several brands under their platform. And one of the things I want to be asking ABBA later on, when we get her back, <laughs> no, is that... Um, Abba actually grew up around around food. Sorry. Uh, when she was yeah, no problem, Abba. I was making them quent a bit more about you that you actually grew up around food. They were saying earlier on. Uh, I read some stuff on you that you, you grew up around food. We'll talk about it later on. I, I want to go to another thing about about the concept development. If that's okay, Abba. So you know the, the nice thing when I when I look at you, uh, you know the other thing I realize is that you've taken innovation from the retail industry and brought it into the food this in this way in this manner. Um, Josiah Go of Mansbit and Fielders talk, talks about innovation where you take examples from other industries and bring them into your own industry as an innovation. Like, for example, for me, uh, when, when I redeveloped Mercato, I said, I'm at a food market. I am a food business incubator. I borrowed concepts from the startup industry and then brought them here yeah. to make it sort of like a, 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 yeah. for a, whole, a whole ecosystem. And that's exactly the sort of type of thing that you guys did to my mind, no? When I look at what you guys have been doing with Moment Group, you know, when, where it's like yeah. it, you're a brand developer, you're a concept developer. Because when you look at it, yeah. okay, yeah. wow, she did steak, she did hamburger, she did shawarma. I know what she's doing. She's taking familiar concepts and then she's tweaking them <laughs> where she's reapplying the Manam formula. Get something that is familiar, but there's also something exciting about it. Then you add a dose of marketing, a really good marketing to it. I mean, that's to me, that's how I, I, I see it right now. Tell me a bit more about that sort of, when you established the company, how did you did you really envision to make it that different when you guys came up with the concept of the Moment Group? So we're three business partners, right? So it's me, Eli Antonino, who you know, and I know you also know John Zihupo. So John and I are also partners in retail, no? You know, when we first did it, it was really for the worst reason. It was really just for fun. We really just wanted to do one restaurant and we had been in retail for so long. And, and you know, being in retail for like, since I was like 21, 20, 22, um, you know, we watched the consumer spend year on year. And, 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 and towards the end of 2010 and 11, we, we realized with all the research that we normally do on a yearly basis that um, the Filipino was, their expandable income was, was shifting, being spread, just not just between buying clothes and bags and shoes, but also starting to be spent on eating out and dining out. And, and, and they really started to enjoy that experience. And, you know, and John and I had always loved food. And because we were in retail for so long, I mean, we had, you know, we had, we'd like to say we had really good relationships with all of our commercial developers. And they offered us a space that they said, well, you know, you can make it a retail space or you can make it a restaurant. And we were both like, ah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we, we begged Eli, who's really the one that had all of this experience in, in owning restaurants. We begged her for six months to come and join us and she was like you guys are crazy it's gonna consume you this is nuts um you just want to stay in retail but i think one night we were just so makulit she finally said yes she said just one restaurant and we did it we really just did one restaurant for fun but you know it snowballed and um we were very what fortunate, was your first, what was your first restaurant sorry about the first restaurant no longer exists anymore <laughs> which goes to show you should Q, it was okay. called Q. It was a barbecue joint, and it's now it's now actually the um, the home for our Japanese restaurant Uma in BGC, right? Yeah. So that was our yes. first restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> so, but but tell me how did it evolve? So that, that, that was it. Well, what happened was 
we were very fortunate in 2012, you know, our rising tide lifts all ships and everyone was just so into restaurants and food. So we were, you know, probably not because of our own concept, but just because everybody was out trying food. Um, Q was quite successful. And, and because of that <laughs> hubris on our part, we were offered another space. Um, and within six months, we created two new restaurants, Concepts, and we launched that. So really within the first nine months of our lives, we had three restaurants. And so we were like, wow, this is not hard at all, <laughs> which is completely wrong. It's really hard. <laughs> but I guess because, I don't know what we were thinking. But because, um, but because we had done that, we said, well, you know, I mean, if we know nothing about this industry and if we can put up three restaurants in nine months, then, you know, we should be able to do this. And so, and so and we just fell in love with it. I mean, really, it is, it's actually addicting, you know, like creating restaurants and watching people eat and, and then watching people be happy. It, it's, it, it really gives you a high, I, I think, for us at least. No? So we ended up just rolling out more and more restaurants, really one every 60 days. We've been doing that for the last, we're turning nine years old this year. And so yeah, it was only in 2020 where we like, where we only really opened like three, I think, or four, and then the pandemic hit, right? So I know everyone's yeah. kind of itching to open more restaurants. So. Hey there, this is Nikki Torres. Check out Chief Best Friends, a podcast for work besties everywhere. If you've ever wondered whether business and friendship can mix, then this show is for you. This is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia. Very interesting. So from Q, right? So you said, okay, what were the two other concepts after Q that opened up? The, the three restaurants? Manam. Manam already. And eight cuts. And then, eight cuts first and, and then eight manam. cuts. Okay. I mean, yeah. having developed all that one, so yeah. this is the interesting part. Okay. So your, your trajectory was that, okay, Three restaurants, we can probably open one every two months. It's exciting. I'm using my, re- it's like using my retail background to grow yes. the business. Diba? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's my basic concept over here. Yeah. How did a retail background, differentiated from a restaurant background, help you grow the business? Versus, let's say, if I came with a F- purely F&B background yeah. coming into the business. Yeah. Well, I think, about, well, first of all, just, just so that, you know, th- there's no like, um, it's clear. John's first business was was a burger brand. I mean, he made his own burger restaurant when he was 19 um, in Cebu. So it's, he's also had experience in it. And then Ella has been making restaurants since she was 21. And then my family's in restaurants. So I worked at the restaurants also when I was 25. So it's not like we didn't have experience. Like we had operational experience. So I also don't think it's a great idea to just jump into it, right? Um, so we did all have that in our 20s. It's just that we didn't continue on with that, I suppose. I see. But, but with regards to the retail background, it's always nice coming into an industry with another background. I think the simplest way to put it is when you don't know what can go wrong, <laughs> you kind of just surge ahead, right? And so I think there's something to be said about, I think sometimes the right amount of being naive can really help you to success because you really don't know where the pitfalls are and you just kind of go out and get there. But like now we're a little bit more risk averse because we know what can go wrong. Well, I think that's always nice about being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you kind of just go exactly. for gold. You need yeah. a bit of hubris, eh? You just just a bit, just a bit, yeah, just a bit yeah. to get things going, yeah. Conting, conting, just a little, conting, yeah, yeah. conting, just just to get just. Conting I mean, because if you know, no, because if, if you're you know you get stuck with analysis paralysis sometimes, and you just yeah. go, okay, uh, I, I'm not gonna. Go, there's too many pitfalls in the restaurant industry. Sometimes you just gotta do yeah. it and figure out on the way, yeah. which is like 
any entrepreneur getting into a business. Uh, maybe not about hubris, RJ. Maybe like guts, like guts, guts, guts. I think maybe hub- guts. I think yeah. hubris will will kill you. <laughs> you're right. Guts is maybe. You're right. The terminal. Maybe is, guts. It's, yeah. it's guts. Guts. Now, uh, I want to say some, something very nice uh, from Vince Tobias of Ayala. Uh, he's actually the head of innovation. He does not the innovation for Ayala. He says, enjoying the podcast, waiting for you to show the food. Sorry, walang pagkain pa pakita si Abang ngayon. But next time, okay. Vince, <laughs> I'm sure you've got many uh, you've got many moment uh, moment restaurants in your mall. So uh, makita kita kayo ni Abba sa, sa, uh, sa moment restaurant in one of the Ayala malls. And the president. Of uh, the Restro PH of Restaurant Owners of the Philippines, Eric Tang of Mango Tree. What an inspiration! Such spirit and passion coming from uh, Miss Abba Napa. Wow, Abba, you're inspiring so right many different people. Right back at Eric. Right yeah, back I, at I mean, Eric. I mean, Eric is, you know, Restro PH excellent. is Restro PH because of Eric. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's helped many struggling restaurants survive during this time. Next time, boss Eric, you're going to be my next guest here on uh, Restro PH, so you can help all the restaurants. Uh, Get back, bounce back from this crisis. But Abba, no, I'm going back to you. This, this, this is the other thing I want to ask because okay, we know that the retail background, the three of you, the three of founders, all had a restaurant background. But this is the more interesting yeah. thing that I want to know. Because uh, for me, what I find personally interesting is that you developed sort of like a constant brand development group. How did the company yes. pivot from saying I got three brands to developing? This business, this this brand development group, and how it became a core concept for you to move forward because that is for me that's your that's your secret sauce. You built that organization yeah. to be like that, yeah. and I think that's yes. what makes you that gives you the unfair advantage. Tell us how you pivoted or how you evolved towards that direction. Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, it's always been that way. The three of us love it's the most fun to create new product. It's more that's more fun than simply just doing the same thing for you know day in and day out so i think it was it, it was that that we love we love creating and also because i mean john was so great at and continues to be so great at finding amazing pieces of real estate and and you know and then everybody always wants something new so so i mean we just ended up i don't know how it happened sorry i mean it wasn't like um it wasn't a concerted effort we just whenever we were offered an amazing piece of real estate we always thought about what would be most appropriate in it. I mean, the three of us would walk into an empty space and we would just like feel it out. You know what I mean? In fact, a perfect example is Bank Bar. Um, the reason we saw that space, and I don't know if anyone knows it, but it's just a big room with no windows. I mean, it's really like not a space for F&B, but we, we asked to look at that building and see what spaces they had in it because we were opening a chef's table. And when we walked into the space, immediately we just found, oh, a bar just came to our brains and imagination. And I think a lot of things inspire us to create, but one of them is really real estate. And we tried to build for the community and the neighborhood around it. We always got such diverse, different options for real estate. And I guess that's how it became 12 different brands, you know. And then what happened was a lot of young people um, came knocking on our doors. We, 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 had a, we have an intern program called the Young Mentors Program. And a lot of people from the different colleges would come and want to intern with us, I guess, because they thought it was more fun than sitting at a desk, you know, and a lot of them stayed on to become part of our team. And they, a lot of them worked with, with me in the creative development wing, creating concepts and really kind of learning how to be an entrepreneur. And, and, and then over time, we built an entire wing called the creative development wing, which has a myriad of different personalities and skill sets, you know, from, from public relations to graphic design to there's even 
architects on our team. I mean, I mean, it's just basically an entire in-house team for creation, right? And that just kind of happened organically, I think, in the first five years. And now it's something, of course, we um were very um conscious about ensuring that that esprit de corps and that and that vision continues to remain and actually grow inside the organization. You know, awesome. building that culture. Yeah. I love I love that that story. I mean, this is I mean, this is for yeah. me an example of something that stands out in an industry of of how how you structure the company. Because I'll explain why. Other people can be like you, right, Abba? They can just say, okay, I'm great at coming up with concepts. It's like, it might not be the correct example, like a food park, right? They go, yeah. oh, in a food park, it's ideal. I should have a Korean version. I should have yeah. street food. But they create all those concepts themselves. But the food is not good, right? So that's why basically the food park yeah. phenomenon kind of crashed. But for yeah. almost yeah. every yeah. concept that yeah. you develop, I mean, I have to admit, the food is very, very good. I, I know you saw in my in my, in my Facebook page Thank the other you. day, right? Somebody was saying, I love Manam's. It's the best sisig and gising gising out there. I, I love the burgers over Thank there. You. For me, what what I, what sort of blows my mind is, how do you do with that? You can come up with a good concept, but you can also come up with good food because it, it's not often that they go hand yeah. in hand. People can come up with really yeah. good concepts for a place, yeah. but the food yeah. is not up to part to the... Uh, to the yeah. aesthetics or the the marketing, what's your yes. what's your secret sauce over there? Literally, well, I think there's a lot of answers to that question, but but I think the main thing is that um we work as a we're very collaborative. First of all, um it's not what I think is right or what tastes good because my taste is really not what most people like. Every creation moment's really collaborative. It's not one person creating the food, or it's not just me or Ella or John. I mean, um there's an entire team of people, and I think what happens is. You know, you can set a vision for a concept and then everybody comes in and puts their handprint on it and, and makes that vision stronger. And I always say, like, I, I, I see someone who I used to work with, um, E.G. and, and Chana, who still works with us, so saying hi to them. So E.G. was one of the first people that came aboard the team that is now the creative development wing team. Just pull up his comment. E.G. Bautista <laughs> saying, hi, Abba. Yeah. Love this show. Yeah. Let's show the comment hi, right e. now, Nathan. Yeah. Thanks. There. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Please, so, continue, please continue, Abba. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, so for example, someone like EG, I mean, um, a lot of our uh, the first few years, I mean, there's a lot of concepts inside moment where his handprint is on that, and that that concept wouldn't have been exactly the same if he wasn't part of that team. And I say that for everybody that's part of moment and the team. And I think that's what makes. Well, I don't know if it what's makes, but I mean, that's how we try to make concepts and brands of substance right it's not just one person's point of view and vision it's a collaborative one and it's different people creating the food because when you have different people creating different foods then you have a lot of um there's dynamism in that right otherwise everything begins to taste the same i think that's one aspect of it um the second aspect really is that you have to be a nerd and you have to be oc and you know li john and i are superbly oc the, the amount of practice runs, simulations, and dry runs before we open a restaurant is, I think, unheard of in the industry. We practice filling a dining room maybe six days in a row before we actually open a restaurant to make sure that nine out of ten times, I hope ten, but not, the food will taste exactly how we developed it inside the test kitchen. And that is stressful and not fun and not glamorous at all. But we do that for every single concept, every single um, branch, right? Even wow. if it's the same manam, wherever it may be, Baco or Baguio, we do the same thing. Six days, seven days, sometimes five days, run the restaurant, run the kitchen um, so that 
everyone gets comfortable cooking that food. And, you know, that's not really a secret. It's just kind of like powers. It's really what you have to do. Again, consistency. Consistency. Yeah. And having said that, well, let me just go back again to the comments box. I love this. This is a very engaging uh, comment section we have here right now from Jester Leander. Uh, the guy earlier on, he said, I was part of the Bistro Duvan team in Rockwell. I learned a lot oh, during my yeah, time yeah, there. The own group has a great yes. culture. sobra. Thank you, Miss Abba, for inspiring me and others. Your passion and energy are so, so contagious. Good. Thanks, sir, RJ, for doing the podcast. And, oh, and I want to add to the, to the next question, the next comment <laughs> from Chona Villaflor Katakis. She says, joining Moment Group for six years already. I'm so grateful to be part of. A best feeling for the employees that they give back everything, all the hard work you've done or given to it of the most dynamic and creative F&B restaurant in the country. Now, I want to round up with the last comment because I have something I want to move to right after I, I, I share this one. From Kevin Lloyd Samodio, I love how the yeah. movement group and Ms. Abba prioritize food safety and employee safety, especially during the pandemic. The TMG food yeah. safety group will always be with you. Yay! Yeah. Thanks so much to all those who, who so, commented over there. It's a perfect example also. I mean, like we have a separate team that just handles food safety and sanitation. Um, that may sound, you know, super nerdy, but, you know, Kevin and the team, like if they were not there, then you also wouldn't get that quality of food and that consistency of food. So everything has to kind of come together. So now, ha having, having seen the comments of Jester and Chona and Kevin, the one thing that keeps on coming back to me, the common denominator is that you've developed a certain kind of culture uh, over there inside the moment group. And it, it, it might just, I'm saying this because, um, the last person where the idea of the culture of the company really came out was Harvey Ong, who was the head of uh, who's the head of uh, Alpha Mart, and he said, "You know, the culture that you create is very key mm -hmm. to getting the people so inspired by you." What kind mm -hmm. of culture did you guys develop over time? Because it's a nine-year-old company, but these people seem to be very loyal to what you guys have done, and and they they really uh, love what you've done with the brand. What what do you what do you think you've done differently in terms of the culture? <laughs> Maybe inside? might have just asked them to comment. <laughs> 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 <I'm kidding. laughs> I'm going to ask her later. No, I'm kidding. No, it's really nice to hear everybody commenting. It really means a lot. Um, I'm sure Ella and John will. Well, maybe not them, but I will be crying later. I think in general, and they'll, everyone on in moment knows this, Ella, John, and I know that um, you can't do anything yourself. I think that there is really an esprit de corps in moment where everyone, I hope, feels that they have ownership over the brands and the businesses. Precisely because Eli, John, and I are such macro managers as well. Like, I will tell someone who comes aboard, I'll say, well, you know what? I mean, it's your brand. It's your ownership. Tell me what you want to do with it, right? And, and, and I think that's some... We, we, we try our best, no matter if you're a first time, it's your first job with us, or whether you're super high level up um, on the management team, um, everyone has a seat at the table. So in a meeting, everyone gets to talk. Whether you're an intern in a meeting, you can talk and have an opinion and contradict the director of operations. And we listen to all of that. And I think that's what also allows us to not be just drinking our own Kool-Aid all the time and really getting different <laughs> points of view. No, I think it's really important, you know, I mean, you know, you can really get sucked up drinking your own Kool-Aid, right? And then really just look up and like totally not be relevant anymore. So I think that's really, really important. So I think that's the biggest thing about the culture of moment is that you have ownership and everyone has a seat on the table. I mean, really everybody does. Hello, listeners, and thanks so much for joining us at the RJ Ladesma podcast. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Do you want to know how you can collab with your own brand here on the RJ Ladesma podcast? We use Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. 
If you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code in all caps RJ Ladesma to get full control of how you monetize your show regardless of its size. If you are an advertiser who wants to collaborate with us, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. E.G. Bautista just reaffirming, Abba is so OC, she will sit on each chair in each branch to make sure the customer yeah, 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 yeah. experiences 100%. J.M. Lilo, go Miss Abba! Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mariel Antonio, Fox! Wow, wow, Abba, you've got an Abba Napa fan club uh, going on over here. No, this is all great moment. These are all like amazing people that make up moment. Um, some who are, who are on the team now and some that have you know, walk in and walk out of our doors, but um, we all keep in touch. It's really nice to see everybody now um, on this chat. I can't believe people are watching this. They've heard all this before. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, this is exactly what we want. I mean, the, I mean, for me, the mark of a really good company, and I feel good about this as well, when people tell me, you know, they come to me, and they own a restaurant, whatever they can. Sir, I trained in Mercato. I interned in Mercato. I started my business mm-hmm. over there. I mean, it, it makes me feel very good. It's nice to see. Great. Yeah, it's nice to see yeah. so many of the people over here just yeah. saying, you know, I, I love my experience with ABBA, whether I was there for six months or yeah. six years, yeah. they still enjoy yeah. uh, the experience with you. Yeah. Now, uh, let's let me yeah, take it. Yeah, it's nice to see the Moment alumni. Uh, welcome, Moment alumni. And uh, now, I have another question now, no? Um, Din Tai Fung is not, yeah. it's not one of your brands. So <laughs> what made you decide also to come? And Din Tai Fung is a pretty big brand, and I'm sure that a lot of, a lot of other companies were also jockeying to bring the franchise over here. Uh, why did you choose to get a franchise and how did you present yourself, I guess, competitively versus other players here in the market who also want to bring in Din Tai Fung? I think that amongst the three of us, Din Tai Fung was the brand for us. The only brand we wanted to really, really bring into the country because we enjoyed so much creating our own brand. So we never really felt that bringing in your own brand. I mean, we didn't never really thought about bringing our own brand, but the three of us have always loved Din Tai Fung. Primarily because, I mean, again, because of consistency, right? I mean, what, they're 70 years old now in, what, 30 different countries around the world. And in most locations, there will be a line out the door mm-hmm. decades later. I mean, that is, that is power. That's strength. And, and it, we really wanted to understand what could make that happen. And so we, we flew to Taiwan, you know, constantly trying to get an audience with the owner. And I think maybe it was that persistence. <laughs> That, that made him consider us because at the time we were maybe like two years old and we only had literally six restaurants. So we were really, really underdogs. I like to joke that it's because we didn't speak Mandarin. So we think that our interpreter really ain't the deal for us. No, but um, again, consistency. Uh, we'd fly there constantly, meet with him, learn about the business. And I remember, and then he flew to the Philippines and he met with a bunch of us and he ate in all our restaurants. And after that, after eating in our restaurants, I think, which is really, I think the biggest praise we could have ever gotten from someone in the industry. You know, I, he, he said that he really appreciated that the experiences in our restaurants. And I think that was really the reason why um, he granted us. I mean, he gave us the, the, distrib- the franchise um, because I think everybody at moment really did an amazing job when it came to executing on that experience. Right. Um, which is really what it's all about. It's not about talking, it's about doing. But I remember when he gave it to us, he asked us to shake his hand and he said, don't make me regret giving it to you kids, okay? 
And so we've never forgotten that. Um, we always knew that we had to like always prove ourselves. And, you know, six years later, I mean, you know, we're really proud that, that one of the biggest food brands in the world trusted us with their brand in, in this country. And we will forever be grateful. Yes. Wow. That, did you tell me just a bit, when you were, how did you train to become, the, did you also train yourself to make the, the Shaolong Bao yourself? No, yeah. So we all picked sticks. No, I'm kidding. And Eli picked the shortest. No, Eli actually is the managing partner for Din Taifung. And so she had to live in Taiwan for six months in Taipei. And she had wow. to put on the uniform every day for 10 hours a day, for five days a week, and learn how to be a waitress, learn how to be a line cook, learn how to do all of those things, along with our entire team that was the opening team for Din Taifung. And me and John would just come visit her, bring her salon pass, and all of that. <laughs> you must so love her. I really you big, must love her by now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, a big part of, of Din Taifung's success is really, you know, Eli leading the operations and the development for that business. Um, and, you know, again, we'll forever be grateful to Eli. If she's listening, which she's Hi, not. Eli. I hope you're listening, sure Eli. She <laughs> she's probably not. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, she, she did all of that. It was pretty cool. I did it for like three days. <laughs> well, I answer six but months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I answer six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Taipei is a beautiful place. And so. Lovely. And it's um, not a bad place the, to, to live. I wanted to ask, you know, another question also related to, the, to all the businesses that you've opened up. I mean, you've grown faster than some of the more established restaurant brands or restaurant owners in the country. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of factors that come into play over here. And this is not to, I mean, to make your ego grow larger. But, but what do you think, I mean, from a business standpoint and from a strategic standpoint, allowed you to grow faster than, than older or more traditional brands that have been here in the market for the longest time? Naiveness. <laughs> I think we were willing to risk more, especially in the beginning. And I think, especially in the beginning, we didn't know what the pitfalls were or could be. So we were more gung-ho, right? I think, as I mentioned a while ago, I think we are much more risk-averse now. There are much less things I would do. <laughs> I would have done it five years ago, and now I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I think that was that, that was it. And we also came in at the right time. You know, a rising tide lifts all ships. 2012, 13, 14 was, you know, the tide was, it was like a whirlwind for F&B. And so many players came in the market, and there was so much demand for food and experiences so i think that was also that but i also like to think that when we create things we don't create them for ourselves <laughs> the few things we've created for ourselves no longer exist so <laughs> i'm pretty aware that that it's uh, creating for yourself is really not the best and so we really take a we really look at what people want or we think that we think that they want and really try to create things that will make them happy you know so we really try not to put ego on a plate we really really try and I think when you when you try and take a look at what your diner or your consumer wants and you, you create for them, that's a pretty good strategy. You know what I mean? You know, we're not mm -hmm. trying to educate, we're not trying to say this is better, this is not. We're just trying to make you happy, right? Maybe that's maybe that's one thing also that allowed us to be accepted in different neighborhoods faster and made us more gung ho about expanding. Maybe you can ask Ella and John. I'm not sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ella and John, I hope you guys are listening as well. This is such a great uh, learning experience for many people in the, in the restaurant industry listening here right now. Now, uh, here's an interesting question. No? Um, you came from retail. So, I mean, yeah. you have a background of retail and sort of like business. No? Yeah. And people are restaurateurs. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. can be a good restaurateur but not a good businessman. 
and you can be yeah. a good businessman but not be a good restaurateur. Yeah. What do you often see as that that conflict? Because I mean, there are many people who can who yeah. can try their hand at restaurants and they can have really good food or you know yeah. they last but they're just a one they're just a one branch restaurant, right? Uh, yeah. What do you think is that conflict? That, how, how does it conflict, or how do you balance making sure that you have good restaurant but you're also a good business person at the same time? I think people that have one-off restaurants not, aren't necessarily bad business people. They just don't want to have a, a chain. You know, they want to have this one passion thing, and I think that's really awesome. You know, before we would say, Eli John and I would say, okay, one day when we retire, we're just going to have one restaurant and just make it whatever you want. But now we're like, when we retire, we're definitely not going to be in the restaurant industry. <laughs> no, but but. I think what it is in FNB is you have to have a right brain and a left brain. Sorry. I mean, that's what it is, right? So you need to have a right brain and you need to understand intrinsically what people want, what the consumer wants. Whether you're in retail or FNB, you have to kind of really have calls for what people want. I mean, what are they willing to make? Do cut their wallet for, right? What are they willing to spend their hard-earned money from? You got to know that. And that's highly right brain and instinctive. And you can do all of the AC Nielsen surveys that you want. But in the end of the day, it's just a gut to that and a pulse. But at the same time, if you want that to last forever, like I've been from 70 years, you need to know your numbers. You need to be OC. You need to be a nerd, right? Because behind all that passion is the foundation that allows you to keep that passion consistent day in, day out for decades, right? Um, and that requires your left brain. And I think that you should know what your strengths are and your weaknesses. And you should definitely surround yourself with business partners and teammates I mean, the complementary strength and have strengths that are your weaknesses. And I think that's what's an amazing thing about my business partners, Ella and John, are really brilliant people, um, very private, but super brilliant. And um, their strengths are definitely my weaknesses. And, and I think, you know, a big part of moment is that we really work well together. We really, really do. I, I respect them highly. And I think that if you're going to be an F&B, which consumes you, you better have business partners that you want to have a drink with at the end of the day, like you really want to. And you enjoy that and you respect them and you can travel with them. Eli John and I used to travel together all the time under the guys that were researching, but we actually kind of just enjoyed our company. Maybe, maybe John will yeah. deny it, but he really does. Um, <laughs> so um, I think that's really, really important because F&B is all about converging and making people happy. So you have to be happy with the people you're creating and operating with. Yeah. yeah. I sleep yeah. with my business partner, who's my wife. So, you know, <laughs> And I'm glad that all of my weaknesses are her strengths. So, you know. Oh my God, you've taken it a step further. You <laughs> <laughs> um, will be the most no. successful at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do want to say that, you know, um, I, I'm very glad that when my wife, you know, she evolved into the role. And, and just to share with the people listening here right now, she actually, her actual degree is political science and law, but then she pursued a master's mm. of entrepreneurship in the Ateneo Center for Entrepreneurship. And, you know, yeah. we realized that her strength was really operations and finance, which is, you know, the OCness that you need. And for mine, was, I was more of the yeah. brand and, you know, strategic yeah. development, you know, the, which, which, I, which I like because the, my, my background was in brand management. So, you know, it, when, you know, of course, there's the extra layer of being married, but, you know, which, which makes things more interesting. But it, it's, it's yeah. nice to see. I, I know exactly what you're talking about when you say you yeah. got to have people who complement you. Now, yes. going back to your conversation earlier on, this is interesting, right? You said that there are some things that you like uh, in terms of food or maybe concepts, which not necessarily is what everybody else liked, right? So that yeah. means that, and you you failed in some concepts. I know that not yes, all the yes, concepts that, you've done is, is, uh, that you've been yes. successful. So 
two questions about oh, failure. Yeah. Number one is, I, how should you feel about that failure? I mean, because many Pinoys, when, when they fail, they go, oh, you know, because I'm sure the first time you fail, how should you feel about failure? And I guess uh, the second question I want to ask you is that, what did you learn from all your failures? What, how did it help you improve how you did business? So let's tackle the first one because many Pinoy sometimes the idea of failing in business, whatever you do, parang sirana ako or you know, I, how they get up from that. But how did you guys react during your first failure in business? The shutdown was um, where Jester worked at Bistro Devan. <laughs> and that was really a concept that I really wanted and that Ellen and John also really wanted because it was nostalgic to us, you know, the French Bistro, Summers in Paris. I have some, one of my best friends lives in Paris, so I always enjoyed the bistro experience, and and and, and there was none in the Philippines, and now I know why. No, I'm kidding. That was really a concept that was driven by personal, by us personally. So the biggest learning we have of that is again, don't create merely for yourself. Like it's really that's hubris, and what may be nostalgic and amazing to you may not have enough relevance or find enough of an audience to be commercially viable. And unfortunately, F&B is not an art. <laughs> it's a craft. I mean, yes, it is an art to a certain extent, but it really is a craft and it is a business and it's commercial. Otherwise, we would just create pop-ups that would last one month and we could do whatever we want and we put whatever we want on the plate. But, but a restaurant is meant to nourish people over time. And so I think that's, that's the one thing we learned from our first failure, that you need to be mindful about not just creating for yourself, but for creating for a wider audience. And we've kept that at the forefront moving forward since that day. <laughs> and you've still, you've still opened up some restaurants which have varying degrees of success. I know that if you failed with it, I mean, yeah. you've also closed yes. other restaurants. Like, uh, yes. Uh, there's one in Mega so Mall. We closed I two, we closed Q yeah. and Fatto. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, no, sorry. So yes, we, 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 had, um, we actually have had three franchises in total, of which only one remains, <laughs> um, which has been typhoon. Yeah. yeah, and I think but, I think it's not to the franchise's fault. The brands were amazing, right? Except that I think the Philippine market is completely unique, and you can't just bring a concept in from another country and expect it to be plug and play because the Filipino diner is so complex, and you really need to tweak for the market. And I think that's true probably for most markets. And I think that's why, for the most part, we create our own concepts. Yeah. Got it. And just to share from SP Reyes, I love working with Moment Group because everyone shares yes. the same vision. And is dedicated to the mission. Proud to be part of this awesome company. Thank you, Mam Aba. Wow, Mam Aba, thank you so much. Mukang masaya rata mga katrabaho mo yan. Yeah, and it's so inspiring actually for me <laughs> as as a as a host and also as a person doing business yeah. as an entrepreneur to see um yeah how effusive yeah. and how and how people are just so generous with with the, with their with their comments, yeah. right? Now we don't have much time left, and I, I wish I, I had a longer time to talk to you, Aba. But then. Uh, many of the people right now listening from the from the resto PH group and other restaurateurs and aspiring food entrepreneurs, they're saying, okay, it's a challenging time and an interesting time for all of us as we enter the new normal. What do you see as sort of like the emerging opportunities which people can get into into this new normal? What what should what should they prepare? Number one, what should they brace themselves for? What should they prepare for? Number two, what should they be excited about moving forward? You know, this is funny and don't take this the wrong way to anyone who's listening, but I think for people who want to the en enter the industry, you really need to be ready because, you know, what I've discovered in 2020 is like, you know, competition became friends and with Resto PH, you know, we all know each other now. And I must say, my God, the F&B industry is really filled with people that are, I mean, just generous and amazing and talented. And because of 2020, 
most everyone who has survived are real fighters. So if you're going to enter F&B, you better be ready because all of these peers I have are really unbelievably amazing people. And I think they've done such a wonderful job um, keeping afloat and, and also um, reinventing themselves. What, what, what do we expect? Um, I mean, what can people expect? I think everyone is so excited to just create again. I think everyone had big plans for 2020. It was a big year, not just for us, but for most people in the industry. And I think that we didn't get to do that. We didn't get to showcase everything we wanted to. I know a lot of people had some great restaurants that they wanted to open and brands, and, and as did we. And I'm sure everyone's itching to do it. So you can expect a barrage of, of, of great new dining experiences once it's finally safe to do so. You know, Once the country is on the right track to recovery, vaccinated and I, I think everyone, I mean, the Filipino diner can really look forward to that. And how about the evolving, uh, I guess, what do restaurants also have to do to make sure that they remain, I guess, competitive or adjusted to the new normal? I know that you've learned from e-commerce, you've learned from delivery, you've yes. learned from food safety. <laughs> uh, what are your, like, I guess, yeah. little pieces of advice for those, you know, you're a pretty big player right now, the smaller ones are also trying to figure out, how can I, how can I do that in my own capacity to, to make sure that, you know, I can at least stay in the game? You know, it's super hard to be specific about that. But I mean, I'll always say you need to be relevant. You know, people, I remember, you know, someone was asking me about, I mean, every time I, I talk to someone um, in a venue like this, they, the word pivot comes out. It's like the 2020 word of the year, pivot. Right? <laughs> That's right. But, but, and it's true, right? But, but I also really think that pivoting is really just being relevant, you know? And I mean, like, like we believe that when you create a brand, you just don't keep it stagnant. It's like a human being. It grows, right? It goes to school. It evolves. It develops a personality. It makes friends, right? So we treat our brands like humans. Like our brands need to evolve. So they're not exactly the same brand when we opened them years ago, right? They're evolving. And that's because you need to keep relevant with your audience. Our audience is growing older. New people, young. when we created our first brands, we created them for ourselves. But I was like 32. <laughs> So now you know how old I am when, when, when we created those bands. So there's a new set of 32-year-olds, right? And they are a bit different from me. So whether you have a single outlet concept or you have a chain of restaurants, you have to understand who your audience is, who you want them to be, and you have to be relevant to them. So you have to get to know them, know what matters to them, what their pain points are, what kind of an experience they want. What are they craving for? Right? Because what the 32-year-old is craving for is different from what the 86-year-old is craving for, Right. Okay, that was a bit of a stretch, but yeah. So um, I think that's the best advice I could give. Get to know your audience. Like, who are you, who are you cooking food for, right? And honestly, you'll find a lot of answers there by talking to them. Yeah. Exactly. Th thanks so much, Abba. And for all those listening here right now, all the Moment Group alumni, all the people who've enjoyed the food at Moment Group, give her a virtual round of applause. Again, Abba, thanks so much for taking time out from your busy schedule. Thanks, I, know, I know you're enjoying Anilao here right now. And just a shout out <laughs> to all those from the Resto PH group, uh, the restaurant owners of the Philippines. Hi, Resto um, PH. And, and Abba's right yes. now, uh, the BP external. Abba, let's invite the restaurant owners out there who want to join. Yes, and, you know, please. So need help. If there, there are people in the restaurant industry, restaurant owners, chefs, restaurateurs, operators. Um, you know, Please feel free to check out. What is our Instagram handle, RJ? Um, um, Resto, Resto PH. PH Resto PH. Resto PH. Exactly. Ch check that out. And we'll put links there on, on, on how to join us and become a member it's really a, an amazing community of like-minded people and you know we're all helping each other i guess pivot <laughs> and stay relevant, <laughs> stay relevant. Um, stay and survive relevant. this yeah and survive this crisis and there's a wealth of information inside the resto ph membership so anyone who's not yet a member you should go and check out our instagram handle 
um, and find us also on our Viber communities, like right, RJ? Yeah, and also on the Facebook group. Yeah. The rest of details has a and Facebook, Facebook group at the same yes. time. We're again, just thanks everywhere. so much. <laughs> yeah, and please make sure to support the Moment Group again. Some best na lang aba para alam nila lahat. What are the and brands Mercato again? Just also. The, yeah, Mercato. Oh Mercato. Mercato. Okay, let's go. Aba, uh, one more time. What are the brands um, again for uh, for moments so we can all support Mano, them, please? Mano, Mano, our Filipino brand. Eight Cuts, our burger brand. Umar, Japanese brand. Metro Umar, Chef's Table, Japanese brand. Bank Bar, our bar. Shawawama, our shawarma brand. Mo Cookies, our cookie brand. Well, I think I think uh, Papa Pansitan, our, our delivery-only pancit brand. Kuku, our delivery-only chicken brand. And watch out for our new Southeast Asian brand, Kuchi in the basement of Rockwell. At the end of this... Okay. Again, thanks so much to everybody for joining us this lovely Tuesday evening with Thank Abanapa, so the co-founder uh, of The Moment Group. And just asking all of you, if you enjoy this podcast, if there's anybody, any other business personality or entrepreneur that you'd like me to interview here on the podcast, please let me know. Drop me a message. Abba, thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Thank you for inspiring so all nice our entrepreneurs. Really great talking to you guys. Please enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. We will see you again next week for the RJ Ledesma podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Happy Tuesday, RJ. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.